Welcome to episode three of the Foundations of Sports podcast, where we present positive sports stories and the people who make a difference on and off the field. I'm your host, Chris Oregon, and thank you for listening. Today, Coach Darren Roberts joins us. Darren is a coach, professor, writer, podcaster, and creator of the 4th and 1 Foundation that helps kids. And in all of his endeavors, he makes a tremendous impact on others. Darren was finishing up law school at Harvard and made a change or pivot to become an NFL coach with the Kansas City Chiefs. We talk about how an invite from a high school teammate to work a football camp over the summer changed the direction of his life. We discuss his book titled Call on Audible. What was it like when he received a phone call from Coach Herman Edwards? What does get in the building mean? And what do you do when you get there? He shares the story of Operation Houston and who his three champions are that helped him along the way. Darren also hosts a podcast titled Tribe Called Yes and started the Center for Sports Leadership and Innovation at the University of Texas. His fourth in one foundation helps kids with academics, athletics, and personal development. He also talks about being thoughtful and intentional about going for where you want to be in life. So no matter what part of the world you're in, sit back and enjoy the episode. We're very excited to welcome Darren Roberts to Foundations of Sports. Darren, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Tell us about the impact on the direction of your life when you received an invite from your high school teammate, Alfonso, to coach at the Steve Spurrier football camp. Yeah, Chris, if I look back on it, this really uh, changed the, the trajectory for me. I was on a path to become a lawyer and I had clerked at a couple of law firms and uh, this call came out of the blue and he said, hey, man, I'd love for you to come with me to a camp. And he was a football coach in, in Austin. And once I got there, you know, one of the, as the story would go, one of the coaches didn't show up. It always happens. And uh, they needed a replacement. And you know, coaching those kids that summer really reminded me of what I loved about football. I was a high school football player back in Texas. And, you know, I do think there are very brief moments where race and socioeconomic status sort of fly out the window and you've got 11 guys just trying to, to get a play off, you know, and, and, and be successful. And so that reminded me of just the, the power of sport in general and, and football in particular. And, convinced me that I needed to make a shift. You talk about something there about being part of a team, regardless of your background, where you come from. And it's something very special. And, and when we talk about team, uh, someone by the name of coach Herman Edwards comes yeah. to mind. And, uh, I know he's with Arizona state right now. Tell us about the story of the phone call that you received from him. You know, Herm calls me and at the time I'd never spoken with him and he, he just said, Hey, um, this Darren Roberts. And I said, yeah. I said, Hey, this is Herm Edwards. Listen, I don't have a lot of time. I've got your letter. Here's the thing. I've, I've got a training camp internship for you. Uh, there'll be no pay, no benefits in 18 hour days. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I was facing, I was looking at $250,000 of debt from law school, but I understood that this was a rare opportunity. And, and Chris, you know, I think for a lot of people out there, you have opportunities that will truly be rare. And I think in those instances, and you know it, like you feel it in your gut, Sure, you, you, you've got to hit the go button. And it was for me just a instant reflex that I said, yes. And I was in, uh, and that, that began my, 
you know, sort of six month hazing period as a as a grunt for the Kansas City Chiefs. And and that's just something very special. Did you believe when Herm called you? Did you believe it was him on the other line? It took me around fifteen seconds to realize that this was Herm, and he was being very serious because one thing he told me, he said, "Listen, this is a this is a tough business, and you know I don't know why you don't want to be a lawyer." And I said, Coach, it's not that I don't want to be a lawyer because I didn't want him to think that I was a disgruntled law student. I actually enjoyed studying the law and thinking about becoming a lawyer. But it was just for me, that experience was so compelling. It really forced me to rethink what kind of an impact that I could have. And for me, the impact of becoming a coach just far outweighed what I saw as you know, my, my next destination as a lawyer. And that was the calculus for me. Other people may not agree with it, but it was, it was pretty cut and dry that this is what I needed to do. Absolutely. And you just uh, recently wrote a book called an audible. And I love the phrase because I, I, I use that phrase all the time. And Hey Chris, let me tell you something, man. You, my editors did not like it. In fact, I had to fight them. To really? <laughs> yeah. They thought, well, they just thought that it was a little too, sport centric and that we needed something that everyone could grab onto. But I, I appreciate the kind words because I really felt like it sort of captured the, the, the underlying theme of the book. Darren, it's how I found out about you. Um, <laughs> call an audible. I saw the, the title of the book, the artwork on the book, which is awesome. And just enjoyed everything that you spoke about. And one thing in that book you really uh, mentioned is having a pivot point in your life. Tell us about the, really the importance of uh, the pivot point and, and how that affected you. So for me, you know, if I think back and I'll turn 40 at the end of this year, and if I think back over my life, there are four to five experiences where if I had to zoom back in at the moment, I could really describe them as these were difference makers, right? Like you, it's, it's the classic sort of frosty and fork in the road. But the one thing I'll say is that I think oftentimes we kind of fall into this trap of wanting to be who, whom others want us to be. Um, we start to, you know, we, we, we get Instagram envy in the sense of we're looking at other people's lives and we want to replicate what they've done. But I do think there are these rare moments in your life where the universe guide to whomever you subscribe are sort of moving you in a certain direction and you can feel it, you know, it's in, it's that weird, you know, it's on the back of your neck, it's in your stomach. And it's at those moments where I really hope people have the courage. I haven't always had the courage to say yes, but there are some moments, especially with the with my coaching pivot, that I think has has really been all the difference in my life. And you mentioned having the courage to go for it. And then I think in the book you stress once you have the courage to go for it, you need to be all in with work ethic, with grit. And to quote you in the book, and I love this phrase, is that you want to put your foot on the lowest part of the ladder that you want to climb, whatever that is, and prepare yourself for a relentless ascent. And I really think that's what the impact of the book has on others is that go for that dream. But once you're in the building, you need to work at it. There, there are no half days. Yeah, there are no half days. And look, I, I teach 
around 300 students a year here at UT. Many of them are freshmen. And one of the things that just astounds me is that a lot of freshmen, a lot of college students think that they're going to graduate and sort of just walk into the CEO suite and change the nameplate and become, you know, uh, the man or woman who's running an organization. And I always stress to people that you need to take on a certain air of humility uh, and that you are willing and you may be the best accounting major that came out of UCLA that may, but you need to be willing to do the grunt work and the low level task. One, it's going to really create buy-in from those around you. They're going to say, Hey, she's willing, even though she can, she's the best quant we have, she's willing to clean up the break room, right? She's willing to make copies. And then secondly, I just think there's so much invaluable data that comes from seeing work what we perceive to be at the bottom because you really get a sense of what the pain points are for an organization. So I really, you know, for anyone going into any profession, regardless of what your title or the signature on your email says, you need to be willing to humble yourself do some of those low-level menial tasks, and I just think that it's a win-win for for you and the organization. Without a doubt, like you said, win-win, and you have to be able to do anything that's called upon to get the job done. It's just like coaching a football team or any team organization that you're involved in, sports, <clears> business, <throat> and life. You have to really be doing what it takes to get the job done. And you talk about just getting the building, and, and I, I love this part of the book, and you, it's titled Operation Houston, and we're not talking about a NASA mission out of Houston, which uh, I really enjoy this part. But tell us about Operation Houston and crashing the party. So, you know, we're 2007 season. I'm a grunt, so I don't, you know, I have a name played. Um, I'm officing out of the press office, um, and a part of my job was to copy the the plane manifest for the away games and so it's a thursday i i get the manifest from the director of football operations and i see my name on it so i'm like oh man i'm i've got a seat on the plane so you know i threw an informal party of one for myself that night and called my (laughs) parents and i'm excited i'm going to get to travel to the first you know regular season game and then Friday rolls around, and the uh, the director of football ops says, "Man, I'm sorry." He hands me version two, and I've been taken off the plate. Um, and so th- this was one of those moments where you have to decide: okay, do I do I stay in Kansas City and just hang out until they get back and sort of sulk, or do I try to find the cheapest ticket that I can and go down? to Houston and I knew where the hotel, the team hotel was. And, um, I said, and just try to add value. And I, I fly down and didn't really tell anyone. Um, and I get there and to, to say that the head coach was somewhat annoyed would be an understatement. He's like, what are you doing here? You know, this is, um, if you look at the, the NFL season of 16 games, one thing that every team tries to master is predictability. And so whether it's how many people are on a plane, how many hotel rooms there are, what time the first bus leaves, I mean, these things are scheduled out years in advance. And the fact that there was a a random, you know, 
intern floating around the hotel didn't sit well with a lot of people. But I just said, hey, listen, I'm here to do work. If if there's anything I can do, let me know. If not, I'm just going to sit in the back of the room. And next thing you know, the special teams coach who didn't have enough assistance said, hey, man, I'm going to try to get you on the field because I could use your help with finding some players you know, during different phases of the game. And uh, it went from there. So uh, I, I paid for that flight the first time and stayed in a cheap hotel. But that was that was the last time that I had to to foot my own way. So I was on the plane for the next away game after that weekend. So you basically made it happen. Yeah, I mean, it's in my, my this was much to the chagrin and I was getting advice from my parents to not do it. Um, and I understood there was some risk, but, you know, also I wasn't trafficking in cocaine, you know, I was no, going to show no, up no. and say, I, I was going to show up and say, I wanted to work. So sure. I thought sure, there wasn't going to be a really worst case scenario. Um, I didn't think they were going to fire me from an internship because I showed up and wanted to do some work. Um, so yeah, it, it worked out well. And it's kind of, I just went to the NFL combine and saw some of my old buddies from that staff and they still bring that up. Like, man, you remember that time you just showed up? <laughs> when I talk about your book to family and friends, I, I bring that story up because it, it really, and there's so many good stories in your, in your book called Audible, but that one stands out is you just made it happen. And it really speaks to your character and what you're about in terms of no is not an answer. Uh, if there's a door, go through it or go around it. And, and it speaks to your character. And, and, the, and the stories, like I said, that's just one of them. But you really present uh, a, a way to how do you get to your dream? And then once you're there, how do you achieve it? And it's, it's all in the book. And in that book, you talk about finding three champions. Now, so you're, you're there, you're working for the Chiefs. And you talk about finding those three champions. Now, hypothetical situation, you have three extra tickets to a Houston Astros game to take those mentors to, to talk about just the goings on in life. Who are those three champions that you're taking to the game? Well, that's, that's a good one. Um, number one would be Gunther Cunningham. So this was the defensive coordinator with the Chiefs. And I have to give him a lot of credit. I mean, you I found that you need someone, and the term we use in football is, you know, to stand on the table for you, um, which means you need someone in the organization when the powers that be are deliberating whether or not you should get the promotion or, you know, even you know be admitted in. You need someone who's going to stand on the table and say, "I vouch for her" or "I vouch for him." And um, for me, Gunther was that guy. He really went to bat for me and and told the head coach that at the end of that season that I needed to be hired on you know full time. So Gunther would be number one. Number two would be my my freshman world literature professor Marjorie Woods. Um, this woman taught you know I, I think that the ability to write well is something that will will endure the test of time regardless of what happens with artificial intelligence or VR. Um, and she really sat down with me after every paper that I wrote and we, we picked through every sentence and she showed me how I could write better. Um, she's also someone that read my initial cover letters that I sent to the teams. And I just, I really appreciate the fact that she, 
she took an interest in me and really wanted me to be able to communicate from a written standpoint as best as I could. Um, and, and then finally, a man would, would be Lowell Leberman, who was my mentor from college. This was a guy who, um, an older gentleman who would have lunch with me every two weeks and basically just say, hey, how are things going? And what can I help you with? And it wasn't from a monetary standpoint. It was just advice. And I can, you know, that's from freshman to senior year. And I got so much great advice from him on, on making decisions. So those would be my three. I think what stands out is they're from all different backgrounds. And it really speaks to something you also said is that regardless of artificial intelligence, voice, and those will have roles in our lives moving down the road, but it will never replace the ability to write well and to speak well, especially in public. And I know you mentioned that on your podcast, A Tribe Called Yes, and it's so important. So I'm thinking the Ash, you're going to have a good time at that Astros game, obviously, with those three. <laughs> That'd um, be a good one. Yeah, I'm not sure we'd watch much of the game, but uh, it would be a good time. That, that's that's all, all good. Now, kind of segueing, and I mentioned a little bit about it, is you have a, a podcast called Tribe Called Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. You know, so I was... I'm a big fan of podcasts. I listen, um, really that's, that's my, if I'm commuting, you know, I found that that for me is, is the way that I learn and get new information. And although I only read books in print form, I haven't moved over to the, to the digital format. I I can listen to a podcast and keep notes. And so I just thought about in, in 2015 that, um, one of the things that a lot of people ask me is, how do you make these pivots? You know, if I want to, I've, I've got a, a good friend who was a lawyer, but really wanted to be a chef. And so, you know, we're talking through the strategy behind making that transition. And then I thought to myself, let's, I'd love to create a podcast that would really expose people to what I call enemies of the status quo. So, um, you know, we're, we're at episode 70 now and it's been a, it's been great to bring people in who've made these sorts of pivots. Some of them have been successful, some have not, but I think that our listeners have really been able to glean a lot of a lot of lessons from those conversations. So, um, you know, I applaud you for what you're doing and I know that we're both sort of co-laborers on the on the podcasting front. So uh, it's been good. Th- thank you for the kind words. And I can tell you that you do help me with your podcast, get through the traffic of New York city. Okay. <laughs> That's uh, you're, you're definitely in the rotation of podcasts and uh, cause traffic isn't getting any better. And uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it definitely uh, can zone out and listen to, to such great things. And um, another person you, you mentioned three people, previously who had an impact. And I know you talk about your high school coach. He was your defensive coordinator, Randy Mm. McFarlane. Tell us about him and how he set the stage for what you're doing now at the University of Texas. You know, Randy McFarlane, my defensive coordinator, um, brilliant mind. One of the few coaches that I can remember who never raised his voice. Um, But people were always listening. You know, I think he, for me, and I didn't even know it at the time, I I wasn't thinking that I would be a coach, but he really crafted a template that helped me to sort of formulate how I should deal with players. And it was always a a one-on-one conversation. He would look you in the eye. He would talk about his expectations. And at the end of everything he would say, he'd say, okay, now Darren, you know, tell me what part of what I've said 
you don't understand or or you don't agree with. And I, you know, coaches don't say the whole the agree piece. Um, but he wasn't looking for compliance. He was looking for buy-in. I can see that now in in retrospect. And so, you know, he's been he's been a really powerful force in my life. You know, I talk with him regularly, and uh, it's it's just been I was fortunate to be able to play, you know, on his team back in high school. Absolutely. And you, you quote him uh, on the uh, Center for Sports Leadership and Innovation. And I know you created that and uh, that has a huge impact on uh, athletes and coaches. Tell us a little bit more about that. So we, you know, we, we teach a class to all of the freshman athletes that come to the University of Texas uh, the class centers around financial literacy and leadership. Um, you know, the center is is located in the president's office from an administrative standpoint, not in athletics. And this is just a way for us to create something outside of the normal athletic sphere. Sphere. You know, we we bring the captains of Austin Independent School District to campus for leadership training here at UT. So that's that's the way that we are trying to help high school student athletes become better leaders. And then, you know, we have programming where we bring in some of the, you know, most respected athletes, both both current and former, to talk about how they've been able to, you know, use what they've learned on the field or the court or the pool in their personal and, and professional lives. And so it's been it's been very rewarding. You know, we've been at this for four years and have really found sort of our niche. And it's just been a way it also helps me sort of, um, you know, scratch the coaching bug, uh, the other, other coaching itch, you know, it's, it's, it's the same that teaching pieces is, is really a constant. So, you know, we've been fortunate to, to, um, you know, had a, had a really big, great tenure here. Sure. And what I really like about that is your mission statement to transform lives for the benefit of society. And I think that speaks volumes. And to quote Coach Randy again, is that he states on your website, you can't outrun your character. You can't score enough touchdowns to overshadow what you do off the field. And I think that's a tremendous reflection in your book, your podcast, your teachings, and and what you're doing at the University of Texas. And we applaud you for that. Big time. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Chris. Say you were started, you were selected by the NFL to start an NFL expansion team in the San Antonio and Austin area. We'll keep it home for you. You know, a little less travel. (laughs) All right. And uh, we... We talk about character. I think it's it's comes through on both of our podcasts. And when you started that expansion team, which one player, it could be active or retired, who demonstrates character and teamwork on and off the field, would you pick to be your captain? Ooh, that's a good one, Chris. Wow. Um, current or former. So I'm going to pick a player that I had the the opportunity to be around for two years. Um, I'm going to go with Calvin Johnson. And the reason why is because, you know, here's a guy, 6'5", 238 pounds, ran a 438, 40, 46 vertical leap. You know, had all of the, the, the genetic makeup to be a really good receiver, but worked as if he was 5'10", 180 pounds and ran a five, you know, 
it was amazing for me to watch his work ethic. He was the first guy in the building. He was catching a hundred balls before the before practice, hundred balls after practice, doing extra reps. Um, if there's any guy who would have sort of a justification from a physical standpoint to mail it in, um, it would be Calvin Johnson, and he wasn't that guy. And what I what I realized was that people respected him, and he wasn't your rah rah stand up in the middle of the huddle yell at guys and get them fired up. But there was so much respect from the first to the last guy on the roster, just because of the, the person that he represented that, um, you know, he would be an easy pick for me to, to, to build a team around. It's a great start. I mean, he was a huge target in the middle. Uh, at the same time, you said he, he earned the respect for what he did, the work ethic that he put in before and after practice and the little things and the person that he was. And it, it speaks to what's necessary to be successful in sports. Sometimes characters kind of pushed aside uh, and talent is pushed to the forefront and we kind of overlook things. But Calvin Johnson would be a great start. I mean, he, he kind of checks all the boxes to use an NFL combined term. Uh, of all the things necessary to win. Now, you started something called the 4th and 1 Foundation. Tell us a little bit about that. So 4th and 1, I was coaching at Detroit, and I'd worked at football camps. Um, I'd also started an SAT prep course back in my hometown right after graduating from UT with my sister, and it wasn't sports-related. And I just thought that you know football players in Texas love the game, how can we use that as a hook football to get them really invested in um, building a future for their lives from a test prep standpoint and then also from personal development? So first camp, we had 30 kids wake up, yoga, run, daily affirmations. They have uh, about two and a half hours of football and they come back to the college and they have three hours of very intensive ACT prep. And then at night, they have two personal development courses. So, you know, writing thank you notes, dinner etiquette, dress etiquette, um, social media etiquette. Um, and, and over the course of a week, we really can see a transformation in a lot of the young men that we've had. And so we're going into year nine. We've, we've had – we'll hit 500 students this session in in July. And it's been incredible now to watch some of those guys that were sophomores and juniors in high school now come to us as college juniors or freshmen and teach some of the same lessons that they learned as, as fourth and one um, campers. So it's been, it's been very rewarding. It's probably one of the most for me, fulfilling things that, uh, that I've been a part of. It speaks volumes when you have students come back and then be coaches and teachers. It, it speaks volumes. So congratulations with that. And uh, as we finish up, I always like to finish up with, with a sports analogy and mm -hmm. a couple of quick hit questions here. And the sports analogy I'm going to use is actually after your foundation. So it's fourth and one for your new San Antonio Austin expansion team. And you're going for it. We're not <laughs> punting. We're not kicking a field goal. We're not going to call timeout and pretend to try to draw the team off sides. We're not doing any of that. We're going for it right now. <laughs> Any sports event that you would like to attend that you haven't been to yet in any location, who is playing and who are you tailgating with before the game? Oh, wow. Well, that's a really good one. Mm. 
I think, ooh, that's great. Chris, you're good at this. Okay, here's here's the event. It would be Alabama-Auburn. I'm tailgating with Joe Namath and his crew. I'm sure they have a good time. Um, but I, I'd love to see that one. You know, I, I've I've been I've seen uh, you know Death Valley was at LSU LSU versus Alabama in Baton Rouge, and that was incredible. But I'd I'd love to see that Alabama Auburn matchup in the in the tailgate that surrounds it. SEC football in the Iron Bowl. It's yes. uh, something special. Darren, what would you like to leave our audience with today? You know, I just think you know for 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 listeners, I have I've really devoted a lot of my life to trying to encourage people to to take risk. Um, look, when I went to Kansas City, I wasn't married, um, didn't have a mortgage, and was kind of able to jump in my Tahoe and go from Cambridge to Kansas City um, without too many considerations. So I know a lot of people are at different points in their lives where they're really considering you know, making a switch. And if there's something that just kind of keeps coming to you, maybe it's in the form of dreams or, you know, that's a side hustle that you can't get away from. I just want to encourage people to really be thoughtful and intentional about trying to craft, um, an strategy because, you know, at the end of the day, we don't know when we're going to die and we only have a limited amount of time. And so, you know, make sure that you're spending the time the way that that you really feel like you should. So um, those will be my parting shots. Thank you for that. And um, if our listeners want to find out more about your book, podcast, fourth and one university of Texas, the sports uh, leadership and innovation center, where can we find you? Absolutely. So on, on all social media platforms at coach DKR um, is the way to find me. Um, you know, feel free to send direct messages. I reply and would love to hear from you. Um, coach DKR.com is also, you know, my personal website. So, you know, I would love to engage with you there. Um, and, you know, reach out because I'm, I don't have a lot of answers, Chris, but a lot of, I got a lot of questions and uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, if I can help any of your listeners sort of get from point A to B, then I would love to do so. Well, thank you for your time and uh, continued success. And, and thank you for having such a positive impact on others for everything that you do and just your focus and everything that you, you help others with. It's so appreciated by our listeners and about all the people that you've come in contact with. So thank you again for coming on the show. No, Chris, and thank you again for really, I think, unearthing a lot of the positive stories out of sports. You know, I think that uh, in, in today's time where there's just so much criticism that, you know, what you're doing is so important. And thank you for creating that kind of content because I really think that it's, it's needed right now. So thank you for having me. Oh, m- much appreciated and, and best to you and your family. Thank you. You too. We can all learn from Darren's journey and his pivot from Harvard Law School to becoming a coach in the National Football League. Through relentless work, grit, and belief in his goal, he made it happen. Those are the same characteristics he's teaching at the Center for Sports Leadership and Innovation at the University of Texas. As Darren states, this program at UT develops leaders on and off the field and teaches how sports plays a positive role in the lives of our young people. For more information, visit sportsleadership.utexas.edu.
His book, Colon Audible, it's a great read, and it provides insight and a game plan for anyone looking to make a pivot. There are great behind-the-scenes stories in the book, just like he spoke about Operation Houston, and I highly recommend it. I enjoyed the book thoroughly. His fourth and one foundation builds a future for kids. And what really stood out is not only the academics and athletics part of the foundation, but little things like writing thank you, handwritten thank you notes, dinner, dress, and social media etiquette. All the things necessary to be successful on and off the field, to be a great teammate, and to be a great role model. And for further info, you can visit fourthin1.org. And for information on Darren's book, his podcast called Tribe Called Yes, or to schedule Darren as a speaker, please visit darrenkroberts.com. And what puts everything in perspective is the quote from Darren's defensive coordinator, Randy McFarlane. You can't outrun your character. You can't score enough touchdowns to overshadow what you do off the field. Thank you to Darren, and thank you for all of you for listening today. And if you like what you hear, subscribe to us on iTunes, and please leave us a rating and review. We greatly appreciate your support. And for more information on us and our podcast and future episodes, please visit foundationsofsports.com. We will see you next week, and as always, best to you and your families.